we made it. We made it to 2021. Uh, we're back. It's been a while here on the Pretty Good Podcast by CrabbyCurious.com. And we are going to cover, surprise, surprise, a movie about a superhero, as if we've never done that before. Today, we're going to be talking about the Patty Jenkins-directed Wonder Woman 84 it's had a bit of controversy when the initial embargo lifted from the critical responses. It was loved. And since then, I know on my social media, I have seen people dogging it for not being trash. So was it brilliant? Was it trash? Was it better than the first? We're going to find out from the voices you trust. Uh, first person here making a return, Mr. Crabby Curious himself, Rob Rixman. How you doing, Rob? I'm good. 2021. Green lights. Let's go. <laughs> okay, Mr. McConaughey. And a little bit of behind the curtains thing. The first ever podcast we recorded, which hadn't been released, was on the movie Booksmart, which Rob and I recorded. And afterwards, we thought, are two guys talking about a movie with two female leads? Um, so why would two guys talk about Wonder Woman? So that's why we have Morgan here to give us the uh, other perspective. So how are you doing? Oh, I'm grand. Grand. That's a good word. Good to be here. Yep, 2021, everything is solved. All the racism and pandemics and drama's gone. <laughs> no, no issues, drama-free. Yep, nope, I haven't, none of my sports teams have lost yet. It's all great. <laughs> all right, so I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So given the way the world is now, how did you guys uh, consume the movie? Did you watch it at home? Did you watch it in parts? Did you dare to go out to a theater? I know myself, I uh, watched it on my phone laying in bed, <laughs> so. Just as the director intended. <laughs> uh, I, uh, myself and Leslie, my, my wife, um, we kind of had a destination appointment viewing set up. We were excited on Christmas Day here in Dallas, not seeing anybody, not doing anything, but hanging out ourselves. Uh, we were going to watch Wonder Woman 1984 and uh, look forward to it, put it on the big screen. Uh, baby was napping, just full focus and tried to give it, you know, somewhat of a theater experience. Mine was at home, <laughs> sitting on my couch. No theater experience, but we watched it in full. I think we split it up. We made it like part way on the couch and then we're like, let's go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> and we finished watching the rest of it in bed but that was only at like 8 30 but you know COVID these days bedtime so, is whatever you want it to be so Rob you watched it on Christmas Morgan did you watch it uh when it came out I did we watched it the night of Christmas yeah okay that's good so you guys didn't have any influence one way or another like I said I got to see the initial responses look good and then i just remember on facebook someone was like i want my two and a half hours back it was absolute <laughs> garbage like i i can't imagine it was that bad but yeah. we will I find usually, out i'm usually like a go on rotten tomatoes kind of guy and for, for whatever reason i i didn't this time so i feel like that helped my enjoyment of the movie but yeah. i wonder what it got on rotten tomatoes well, it's. I think it might be in the 60s now. Um, 61%. Yeah, it started wow. off... Yeah, that would have definitely colored my enjoyment. Yeah, it started off, uh, critics had it in the 90s, the critical, like the professional writers. Um, so I guess we'll try to get to the heart of the uh, difference here today. But uh, before we get into the actual movie, this is a sequel to uh, 2017's Wonder Woman, 
which everyone universally loved. I believe that has like a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes. And I've only met two people now that didn't like it. Um, you know, Hipster Dave, for one. <laughs> Shout out to him. He'll probably be back on here at some point. So what okay. did you guys uh, think of the first movie? And based on the initial trailers to Wonder Woman 84, what were you expecting or anticipating? The first movie I loved. The, I couldn't get a lot of context, honestly, from the trailer of this movie. I tried to watch it, and I, I probably watched it like twice, but I didn't really... I don't know. I did not get a lot of context of what it, the plot was going to be and what the, I don't know why just couldn't pay attention or if it didn't really give me any. Um, I loved, loved the first Wonder Woman. Um, the trailer for this one. I mean, I definitely didn't think it, it was as good in terms of the trailer, but that's just trailer speak. I'm a big trailer guy. Um, love trailers often more than the movies themselves. Um, and I, I loved this trailer. Um, but that was mainly because of the songs. I think it's Blue Monday. Um, which is also a trailer for Atomic Blonde, which I probably love that movie because I love the trailer so much. Um, but yeah, that, the first one I thought was great. I thought it suffered from the same thing that every DC movie suffers from and that the, the very end is just unintelligible <laughs> CGI, but um, every other part of it, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. So I think like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes is great because the first 91% of the movie I absolutely loved and it was fantastic. What do you think, Bryson? Uh, I love the first one. If you had to ask me of all the live action DC movies and I'm including uh, Michael Keaton, Batman through George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Batman, um, everything. I would say it's the third best DC movie. I would put The Dark Knight and then The Joker ahead of it. Depending on the day, I might tell you The Joker's the best one. Um, but then wow. again, that's that's more about the acting. But that's a different podcast. You can listen to that one on the website with me and Ilya uh, reviewed. <laughs> but yeah, as an origin story, I think they nailed it. Um, the first one, how you know Diana starts as this woman on Thelmascara doesn't really know much about the world of man. She's a little naive, but she grows uh, continually throughout it, finds love. A little cliche, but, you know, sometimes keeping it simple is good. There's a saying in, I know the wrestling business, and I'm a big wrestling fan, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Sometimes that works. Um, and I think that's what they did. As for the trailer, uh, something that stood out to me um, was Kristen Wiig um, is in it. When I think of Kristen Wiig, I think of comedy. I think of SNL. Uh, I know Rob loves MacGruber. I'm pretty sure she was in that Bridesmaids. She's also a writer on that. Um, and she was, she's one of the villains in the movie. She's playing Minerva Cheetah. We'll get into that later. So I didn't know how she would be in a more serious role, but we'll get into that. Um, it wasn't really a concern. It's just more of a curiosity how that would be. But um, I definitely, I was in, I'm pretty much in for any comic book movie, even if it looks crappy, like uh, the new mutants looked or, um, fan, the last Fantastic Four movie, which was awful, I still went and saw it in theaters. So I'm not, I'm not the demographic they're trying to get into the theater because I'm <laughs> regardless. So they they already have my money. <laughs> but um, with the so, what would you say your level of anticipation was for the sequel, and did it drop or go up given that it was originally supposed to come out in June of last year, but the pandemic changed it? And um, shout out to DC and HBO giving it to the consumer in a on HBO Max. I know some theaters weren't happy about that, but 
I thought that was pretty cool. I honestly, because I don't, I mean, I only watch Netflix, Hulu, and now HBO. You gave me your HBO, so I do watch it. But I didn't even know the movie was supposed to come out. <laughs> like, I didn't even know <laughs> there was going to be a sequel anytime soon until you texted and you were like, Wonder Woman 84 podcast. And I was like, what's going on? And then I started noticing the trailer on HBO Max. And I was like, oh, there's a movie because COVID. I haven't paid attention to anything that is supposed to come out in theaters whatsoever. So yeah, shout out to HBO Max for putting that movie on their streaming service because I wouldn't I wouldn't have even known that anything that is supposed to come out in movies and, and in a theater and has been delayed or is still coming out in theaters I really, I didn't even, I don't even pay attention to anything anymore. So I was pleasantly surprised that they were putting a full-blown blockbuster movie on to, to come out on HBO Max. So I am happy about that, but didn't anticipate it. I had no anticipation. I didn't even know it was coming out until you texted me. So shout out to you for texting me. <laughs> it was going to be a movie. Shout out to you, Bryce, and handing out those HBO accounts. Maybe I'll uh, text you offline about hey i'm always down to do business i do have her amazon information yeah, yeah so. we're sharing. that's right we're sharing yeah, yeah it's, a, it's like he and i share peacock as well yeah finally peacock um, has the office Woo-hoo. yeah uh, I that one out. <laughs> so i i was i'd say pretty high anticipation just because there was nothing else from a movie's standpoint to look forward to in so long um had it come out as normally scheduled i would have probably seen it in theaters but maybe you know probably wouldn't have had to see it the first day or the first week um but i i thought that was great marketing and great decision making to be kind of the first first movie to get uh to skip the theaters and who knows if that'll be the right decision for i think hbo max has like 15 um coming out this year that would have gone to theaters we'll see if the rest kind of get lost the shuffle or what but um, I was I was pumped. Yeah, can't wait for that Mortal Kombat movie to come out on HBO Max. There's no way it'll be terrible. Hey, I like, like Mortal last, Kombat. Me too. Have you seen the second Mortal Kombat movie? It's probably the worst movie of all time. You're talking watch- to someone that has all someone that has all the video games here. I think if you watch <laughs> the Mortal Kombat series in general, it's pretty damn cheesy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't put any of them in a... I did love the video game back in the day. Wow, someone has a violence problem. Anyway. I wasn't allowed to play it, unfortunately. <laughs> it was on my PC. So from, oh, wow. Uh, who won, you or your sister? I just have to ask. It's always a competition. I since mean, there, we played so many times. I don't I don't even know how to go back. Yeah, I'm going I'm going with Hannah. Oh, whoop you. But... Of course you are. <laughs> Team Hannah. Yeah. Shout outs. For sure. For sure. So from this point forward, we're actually going to get into the meat and potatoes of the movie. So um, obviously, spoiler warning, if you're someone that's just listening to listen and haven't watched the movie, thank you for your support. Um, But if you're someone that plans on watching, pause here, go watch it, then come back and finish listening. We appreciate that, too. So Wonder Woman 84, I'm just going to read a synopsis um, that I stole straight from the website. So it reads, Diana Prince wonder woman lives quietly among mortals in the vibrant sleek 1980s an era of excess driven by the pursuit of having it all 
Though she's come into her own full powers, she maintains a low profile uh, by curating ancient artifacts and only performing heroic acts incognito. But soon, Diana will have to muster all of her strength, wisdom, and courage as she finds herself squaring off against Maxwell Lord and the Cheetah, a villainess who possesses superhuman strength and agility akin to her own. So it was right there in the synopsis, the first thing I'm going to ask you guys to tackle, the setting, the 80s. Um, I know it's, it was a big thing with like, um, what's the show on Netflix? Stranger Things, 80s. It's a big thing. Um, it, the It movie, the first one, 80s the one that came out, it's a big thing. Was it a good setting for you? Do you think they went too campy with it? Was it too colorful? Did they over-exaggerate things? And are 80s clothes trash? Because I did not. <laughs> I, it was pretty obvious in the mall setting that it was the 80s. I mean, it yeah. was, and granted, I was, I'm an 89er, so I am on the cusp of being <laughs> more of a 90s baby than an 80s baby. The mall setting seemed a little over exaggerated the rest of it i thought actually the scene with chris pine trying on all of the 80s clothes was pretty funny even the parachute pants and just the fanny pack the cheetah prints the oversized blazers that all the women wear um diana or gal's character she was the most stylish out of every woman <laughs> and i'm like of course granted she's gorgeous but I felt she was the most stylish out of every normal 80s dressed character there. I was like, no one else, no one else can can look as pretty as her. Um, I, I think they found a middle ground for the most part in most of their clothing. However, that mall, the mall scene in the very beginning, I think was the only time I noticed that it seemed a little exaggerated versus the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. And for me, it was almost... Um, a, a little bit of a miss when it come it came to the tone there because I I thought the mall scene was like yeah hyper eighties and then I, I enjoyed the fun gag with the trying on clothes but then as the movie went on it was like less and less eighties or it wasn't as much a part of it so I didn't get the same feeling that you know for watching Stranger Things where it's kind of baked into every single aspect uh, it felt like you know as the movie kind of wore on they grew a little bit tired of sticking to the the setting there. And I wonder, you guys mentioned the mall scene in particular, um, if that campiness was done as an homage, because, you know, the Wonder Woman suit she dons in this movie um, before she gets the special Asteria one at the end uh, is one that Linda Carter wore in the Wonder Woman series from the 70s and 80s. It might have just been the 70s. And Linda Carter even has a you know appearance at the end. Uh, so I'm wondering if it's an homage to that over-the-top campiness that superhero stuff used to have back in the day. Like you think about the Adam West Batman, like the pow and the boom and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm wondering if that mall scene in particular was just uh, paying respects to the past, uh, but it was very vibrant, that, that scene, the colors and the campiness of it all, um, which is a lot different tone than a lot of the first DCEU movies, especially when you think about Superman and and Batman, now Shazam and Aquaman kind of started that transition to something different, but eighties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really feel one way or another. I mean, I was born in 88, so I'm an eighties baby, but I didn't really live it. And I, I felt like there was a couple things in there just since I have like no attachment to, I don't remember, I would assume any Wonder Woman content would have been well before my time. And then I wasn't a comic book guy. So I felt like there were a few times, 
like with the invisible jet, I was like, wait, isn't that like a part of the Wonder Woman lore? I bet there were some things like that throughout the movie that maybe I just didn't latch on to that other fans would have the same way I was able to see, you know, those kinds of things when watching Spider-Man or Batman. Yeah, the invisible jet definitely was a, a cute little Easter egg. Um, before she had the ability to fly, she's having an invisible jet in the comics, but they retconned that later. Oh, that was the other way. Yeah, learning to fly. I, I didn't. I couldn't remember. It's like, wait, could she fly in the latest movies? Or no, she just that was jumped. Something I didn't know. I didn't know she flew. <laughs> I thought she was all on the ground, sort of like Spider Man, where he yeah. doesn't really fly. He just uses his web to soar through the air. I thought she did the same thing with her lasso, and it was sort of on similar territory. And then she was. I thought she was just sort of going through the air after the last one. Then I realized she was staying in the air and she was actually flying. And then it sort of related to what Steve said about flight. And Did she fly in Justice League, Bryson? I'm pretty sure she could already. She had all her powers from Justice League because, you know, chronologically, that's present day. Yeah. And she can fly in the comics. But, you know, the first movie, she's had her lasso of truth and obviously her great fighting skills and how she can block almost any bullet with her um, armlets and everything. So this, I know that's probably a point of contention too. Some people are like, oh, how corny it was. She got her power to fly. And we'll get into more of that later. And the invisible jet thing. But like you said, that was actually just an Easter egg to the whole, her, her original powers. As for, we talked about the setting. Um, this is probably something Rob can probably pick out more. what do you think about the camera and colors? I know you're a big camera guy. Make sure you follow his YouTube page, guys. <laughs> the first half I thought it looked amazing loved the the cinematography just everything about it you can see that the film grain that I I don't know I'm sure they put that in afterwards um but I thought it was fantastic and then when it turned into more um kind of tropical storm CGI at the end um I was kind of out there but I thought there was a lot of stuff that I liked at the the first half Morgan, do you have anything to add about the uh, cinematography? Not really. <laughs> okay, not that's fine. I'm not well-versed in camera speak. Yeah, um, Bryson, on your 4.9-inch uh, phone screen, how did the cinematography come <laughs> through? <laughs> well, I have a pretty good phone. It looked fine. Um, okay. To me, um, this is with movies, video games, whatever. The graphics don't always matter to me as much. I mean, there's obviously a level it needs to be at. And I know superhero movies, um, they're going to use CGI unless you're Batman or some kind of street level hero like Luke Cage or Jessica Jones that don't have like blast or psionic powers or something like that. So it's going to happen. And I I think they look fine. I kind of don't notice them anymore. Um, But it, it was fine to me. It wasn't anything like below par where I was offended or thought. Come on now, it's 2020. Use better technology. That's just me. Yeah, that that scene in the desert uh, with the truck chase, like that was like as good as it gets from an action set piece, like putting up against just about any movie that I've seen recently. So it's like this is, and there's the, the beginning of the movie, that scene, and then several scenes in the first one that I think will still you know keep me coming back to these movies. So now we're going to get into the plot itself. So, uh, like I said, given how many people I saw weren't a fan of it, I made like a Twitter thing after I watched it. Of course, I said, you know, Wonder Woman 84 was pretty good. That's another pretty good podcast. 
and some people were like, no, it was horrible. I'm like, well, tell me what you didn't like. One person said the plot was, they didn't know what was going on, but they could have attributed to it. They ate a big Christmas dinner and they're kind of feeling lazy. Um, another, you know, contributor, uh, Benno, has been on a couple podcasts. He said it was too simple. It wasn't very compelling. What did you think about the plot point of itself? You know, you had the cliche thing of the unattractive girl who's uh, kind of looked over by society, gets hot, um, gets powers, becomes strong. And then you also have the egotistical businessman who's a family guy, but wants it all and it goes to his head. Um, and of course, the thread with Diana and Steve about having to, to lose, you can't cheat. They foreshadowed that at the beginning of the movie when they show her in the Amazon games. What did each of you think about the plot? What did you like? What did you dislike? What would you change? I I thought it was, I kept trying to play sort of both sides. So I obviously noticed a lot with the cliche, which I thought Kristen Wiig, I want her to do more roles because she is pegged as comedy. So that's what you even said. You said, when I think Kristen Wiig, I think comedy. And she played her original character, I think, to a T, because that's who that character was. And then I kept thinking, like, this is really cliche. Like, she's the poor nerdy girl who, like, eventually gets hot, and then she gets cool, and all she wants to do is be cool. But then I kept thinking, like, well, it's the 80s. Like, that's sort of maybe, I don't really know the 80s, obviously. But it was very, like, you want to be the cool person, and you want guys to notice you. And so I kept trying to play both sides with that storyline. And I think if you didn't really pay enough, like weren't really paying attention because it, I, Brad and I did this, we were watching the movie and they were like, wait, we missed something. How did, um, how did Chris Pine come back? How did, how, how did he, his soul come back to his body? We missed the moment for some reason. I don't know if we had just looked away or we're talking during the movie where Diana held the stone and like, she just closed her eyes and she's like, I know what I would wish for. She didn't actually say it out loud she just sort of closed her eyes. And so we had missed that. So then we were like trying to backtrack, like, what did we miss? And so it was sort of easy to lose. And we're like, what? I don't get this. What, what happened? What did I miss? I don't get it. I don't get how that happened. So, I mean, I had to go back and then watch it again and figure out where I had missed that kind of thing. And then, I mean, I can see where people thought it was boring in a sense, because it was just a lot of like, all the guys and every single dude in that movie was like, Hey baby. Hey, like, Oh, go give me a coffee. Like, Hey, I want to take you out. Like I've been really noticing you lately. And I'm like, was this really the eighties or was it just sort of like the, where you notice now women empowerment and you're like, Oh, this seems kind of obvious because it is something that wasn't before. And so I noticed every time um when I was like that I don't know if that's like annoying or if they're overdoing it because that was the time or I don't know like that kind of got a little bit annoying it was just like oh why don't you be nicer blah 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 like and then I'm like uh I don't know if they're just trying to mesh 2020 with the movie and try to incorporate a lot of things happening today um but I did feel like I noticed that a lot and then felt like is that necessary because it was happening so often um and I'm trying to think of any other things about the I mean I I liked the storyline I thought it was actually a pretty creative idea where he absorbed the stone and he was the stone and did all the wishes and stuff like that but I think that's sort of who Diana was is to, to how she turned it all around and 
her lasso of truth and all that kind of stuff sort of tied in. So I kind of liked the storyline. I thought, I didn't think the plot was boring. I could see how people would get tired of it just because of little things that I was noticing of the over the amount, they kind of over-exaggerated a lot of it. But at the same time, I, I still enjoyed the movie. So I don't know, I guess it depends on each person's preference, but I did, I do feel that my, also my Facebook feed was full of people who were like, I couldn't even keep watching it. I was like, really? Like I, I could, I didn't have a problem with still watching the movie. Like I, I didn't feel that at all. Like, oh, I want to turn this off. I never had that feeling. And I have been in movies where I'm like, this is kind of boring. This is lame. Like, I don't like this, but I, I didn't really see where so many people on my Facebook feed had the same opinion and they just like it was boring it was boring I didn't like it that was trash and I was like I don't think it was that bad but maybe my taste in movies is trash I don't know but that's that's kind of where I'm at (laughs) I like I like your your point on the how they dealt with the the sliding of women or the anti-feminism of the time like it it seemed like an opportunity for a more nuanced approach especially with a female director it seems like they could have done that in maybe a more realistic way I think that's that stuff came across as kind of hammy and um whereas you know when that actually happens it might not be as obvious but can be equally as demoralizing so I don't know it just uh, that was one issue I took as well it was like so formulaic and the as Bryson mentioned the girl becomes hot kind of storyline um that just I don't know I I thought it was really interesting like the the ways that she was comparing herself to Diana and then like the envy or um the jealousy of a friend or a friend's success or something like that so I thought there was a lot of interesting places they could have taken it um but that was one of the bigger misses for me Kristen Wiig's just whole character arc and especially uh, kind of transformation at the end but I wanted to talk about uh my guy Pedro Pascal but Bryson, what do you think on the on Kristen Wiig's arc and um, just that whole dynamic between kind of what drove her to be evil? Well, in one sense, they um, Barbara Minerva Cheetah, they kind of kept her pretty true to how she is in the comics, like how she comes of age. She does work and does archaeology, archaeology, and finds artifacts that help her turn into stuff. There's a little bit of difference in the in the comics, obviously that they've retconned a couple times. Um, the, like, I, I'm going to go back to, like, the mall scene, like, the campiness, especially when she's in, like, the 80s, like, aerobics, like, one spandex piece in the gym working out. Um, I'm going to say something here. Okay, so the tone of the movie and kind of the, the slight comic campiness, which I don't always think is bad, this would have been more ideal for a Superman movie. I think we're, this is going to be a meta thing. DC made the misstep with, uh, Man of Steel, which I liked because it was darker, but when you think of characters like a Superman or Wonder Woman to a lesser extent, you think of someone that's inspiring, kind of uh, softer, not dark like Batman, um, and that kind of tone. This kind of tone of the movie would have been more ideal for a Superman movie. That's what they probably should have done the first time, but I didn't hate it. Um, it's pretty linear. It's where you're going on the story arc for everybody with the movie but then again I thought the first movie was kind of linear you see she was going to grow she's going to go to this and then she's going to fight Ares at the end Um, this was linear too but I don't think it was necessarily bad I think they just tried to 
maybe overcompensate, like you said, with some of the light humor or the cat calls. Um, I mean, because that, that stuff still happens, but not to that point. Like, hey, baby, all those bricks and or all them trucks and no, I don't know. I'm short on pickup lines right now. And I usually you know, have a lot of you out of practice. Yeah, I'm out of practice. I haven't I haven't been on a real date in forever because of COVID. <laughs> Call me don't, if you're interested. Don't, don't take notes from this movie on going when you go out on a date. How to treat a woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, can I have a picture? I want to show Santa what I want for Christmas. Something like that, you know. <laughs> no, um, it's coming back, Russell. Yeah, you're you're right though. That's I think that's what like the critics would say is the biggest thing that plague all the DC movies is just they they haven't figured out their tone or it's um, sometimes an incoherent tone or an inconsistent tone. So I think that's pretty, pretty fair feedback. But the, if that's the negative for me, the, the more positive, I thought the Max Lord stuff, I, I loved that. You know, as some people call me the living embodiment of capitalism, you know, I, or the living embodiment of the man uh, as much as I try not to be. But I thought that was a, a pretty interesting I don't know if they're trying to rebuke capitalism or they're just showing some of the downsides of it, but the, you know, we want what we want. Why not have more? You can have it all. You just have to want it. Um, I thought that stuff was great. Um, And I thought Pedro Pascal was just unbelievably charismatic. Um, Like Leslie and I aren't big talkers during movies. If you guys know Leslie, she's not a big talker overall. And she, like we stopped and like looked at each other and we're like, wow, this guy is magnetic and charismatic like during the movie as he was talking i just thought he was fantastic and um maybe a different actor would have turned that that story into a dud and this the movie into like a total bomb but i i loved that i loved that he had you know some sympathetic aspects um and i thought i thought that was a more interesting take versus you know somebody gets hit by some type of cosmic ray and becomes just a world destroyer or something like that how did did max lord was that a something from canon bryson is that a yeah that that is canon and i want to say before i get to his canon character that uh, pedro pascal um i didn't watch Nar- i know he's in narcos uh, i just think of him as mando i don't even know the mandalorian's real name but he's mando and then that he doesn't get to show any of that charisma um, I mean, he barely takes his mask off spoilers. Um, and this, yeah, he was vibrant and he kind of stole the show each time. And Morgan, I don't know if you remember season one of Supergirl, Max, Max Lord was the bad guy in season one of Supergirl. He's a businessman. Um, and he's, you know, tries to find out who Supergirl really is with Alex and uh, Kara. Um, so that's, a, it was a little bit, he's a little bit more boombastic than that version. Um, in the comics, he is just a, uh, ambiguous kind of character at first he helps the justice league he's not really evil but he's not really good he just kind of does whatever to you know get more and better himself until eventually he does get powers like kind of psychic powers um which in a sense he had this in this movie where he absorbed the totem or artifact uh, to grant wishes in the comics also when he uses his abilities too much his nose will start to bleed you know the more wishes he granted in this movie you know his organs would start to fail and then he'd he'd take something from people so um i think they they kept the the canon spirit alive with both the villains in this um but uh, max pedro as maxwell lord stood out a lot more you mentioned the generic thing of, of a regular person gets hit with something and gets powers they had that with cheetah basically mm-hmm. but then they had a different character um 
with uh, Pedro Pascal's character, which kind of reminds me of some of the older Batman movies. You know, you'd have two villains. You'd have Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy, Riddler and Two-Face. They kind of, you know, they're, they're foils to each other in a way, but both foiling the hero um, and the other stuff. So I, I thought he was great as well. He was very charismatic. I didn't know he had that in him. I should probably go watch more stuff with him now. Oh, yeah, he's, he's good in Narcos, obviously famously amazing in, in Game of Thrones. Um, but yeah, he's kind of reminded me of like Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther where it's like, yeah, he's the bad guy, but you, you get it. You get how he got here and you can kind of sympathize with him. And but Max Lord, he's like kind of ripping off like other scumbags for, for the first half of the movie. It's like, okay, well, I mean, that's not that bad, big a deal. Uh, or he's like trying to impress his son and, you know, he's, he's faking it till he makes it. So um, no, I, I loved I loved all that. Morgan, did you like Max Lord? Oh, yeah. I I thought he was the most believable character mm-hmm. out of all the, like, Kristen Wiig, it was, I liked how she progressed, obviously, until the end, and I was like, wait, she's a, she's a literal, she's an animal. <laughs> she, <laughs> I, I guess that attributes back to when she was, like, literally said, I want to be the apex predator, um, which I wouldn't necessarily say that a cheetah was the top of the food chain, but um, I thought he, with the kid, the dynamic with the kid, um, even though it was really funny, I still think back to, and this might be jumping sort of to the end, but the kid was like, dad, dad, I want, I wish you were here or whatever. And then he cut like, dad's like, oh, like uh, at the very end when he was like, I just want to be with you. I was like, kid, he didn't even hear your wish. He didn't hear your wish. Like, uh, he's just here because like Diana <sighs> finally showed him the truth. He didn't hear you. He's not here for you. But then I, that's why I thought his character was so much better. Cause he's still sort of like a terrible guy, but he, mm-hmm. you know, but I thought he had one of the most believable characters, the arc, all of that kind of thing. Um, I loved his entire storyline his acting was phenomenal i i still he is so charismatic you're completely drawn to him when he was when I was on the screen and uh, i think even him more so than any of the other characters even above wonder woman who i love her character but i just was so drawn to his character and it wasn't a traditional evil character in a comic book kind of, kind of series it was very real and what you could see sort of on a daily minus the stone and becoming a wish stone, but on a daily, just a con man in the beginning. Um, I, yeah, no, I thought his was definitely one of the better characters that I've seen come along through even just some of the standard DC movies. Yeah, nothing endears you as a scumbag villain more than showing that you're a good father. Uh, for those of you that have seen Boy season two, even the mm-hmm. Homelander, for a little, he's still a complete, he's probably the worst person you've ever seen other than Stormfront, but he's, he, he has a, you know, a fatherly role that makes you think, oh, he's not so bad, but. Well, yeah, and that's, and I feel like that's it's something that DC misses at times. It's like, that's what people are asking for is like, give us just a little bit of that. And, but sometimes they think what we're asking for is give us Catwoman or what, what's her name? Cheetah give us cheetah as a cgi kind of jumping around um fight scene at the end with you know rain and lightning bolts but i don't know is it is anybody like bryson as a dc apologist or i'm sorry as a dc fan like (laughs) do you do you did you like love that scene or would you have wanted to watch like 40 minutes of more you know back and forth fights with cheetah and wonder woman 
Um, see, they, I mean, they built, they had the fight in the White House before she had turned into a full cheetah, which was pretty cool. How, you know, Maxwell's trying to get away, Chris Pine's in the way, um, there's guards. That was pretty cool. I think just the end fight scene with the rain and the dramatic and the lightning, that's not something that is just a DC problem. That's all sorts of superhero problems. That's true. You think about to the first Thor movie when he's finally going to get Molnir back, it's in the rain. Yeah. And he finds out he can't lift it because he's not just um, even from a sex appeal aspect. Oh yeah, well I mean in the rain. I don't want to say I don't I don't I don't want to sound like a chauvinist, but who would complain with Gal Gadot in the rain either? But um, <laughs> she's stunning. I wouldn't complain either. Yeah, uh, I think that's a more of a meta thing with superhero movies or in movies, action movies in general. It's always a something in the rain, like someone dies in the rain or there's a fight scene in the rain and it gets mm-hmm. all dark, which is not a, there's some cliche things that are good. That's kind of eh. And I'm not sure I was super in love with how she looked when she became Cheetah at the mm-hmm. end. Like, I knew that was going to happen. I was waiting for that all movie. Um, they, they made a hint to it. If you weren't familiar with the character, when, um, is it, um, Diana has on the high heels with the Cheetah print on there at the beginning. She comments how she likes them. And then later she has like cheetah print stuff on and eventually she becomes the cheetah. Um, but I, mean, I, must... I, I did not get that at all. I mean, that went right over my head. I thought it was because she was like a cat lady before and she kind of turned into a No, cat. that's Catwoman. That's Catwoman. <laughs> From Batman Returns. <laughs> that's what it was. It was just like, whoa, cool animal print shoes. Like that's not, I don't know what the 80s was like, but I feel like that was not necessarily an 80s thing. Like, whoa, cool. She's stepping out of the box. Like she's mm-hmm. wearing something no other woman was. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I saw it. Like she's got these four or five inch heels on, and she has these little two inch like wobble heels that she can't walk in. And I just saw it as more of like a short heel, like stiletto model walking heel versus like a little Mary Jane. She was stumbling in hers. That went mm-hmm. right over my head. Yeah. See. Yeah. It it, it all makes sense. It's <laughs> the things you don't notice, and we fill each other in on stuff. That's why we're a great team. Uh, something I want to get back to with Maxwell Lord. Uh, well, he obviously, you know, we all think he kind of stole the show in a good way. Do you think they could have done more with his backstory? They did the montage of when he was younger, how his dad was abusive to him. And the reason he's going to fake it till he makes it because he wanted to prove to them that he was worthy and everything. Now, in the, in the comics, I believe, um, I think his dad's successful, but he gets murdered and that kind of puts him down the wrong path. Do you think we could have seen more of that? Um, or were you good with the little montage we got before you became good? I think I was okay with the montage. I don't really feel like he needed, I think whatever sort of storyline they gave him was enough to describe the type of person he became. And then, but I liked the little montage at the end. I don't know. I I just liked that they gave you just a little snippet into how he became who he was versus he really have because I liked where he was at that point to turn him into I don't know I feel like if they had added more I wouldn't have I would have felt like it was drawn out like I I don't think they would have needed to add too too much really to to for my opinion to add to his storyline yeah and if they're I think if they're doing a good job then they've like they've been showing and not telling us so they don't have to like lean so much on like literally hey this is why he's like this so I thought I thought it was it was like it was a nice addition but any more than that probably would have been 
redundant or maybe like letting themselves off the hook. But even even if that flashback hadn't have been in there, I thought they did a good job, good enough job laying the groundwork and kind of, you know, painting the full picture of his character. So while we're on the subject of characters, we've uh, obviously touched on Maxwell. We've touched on Barbara. Um, we can always touch on Diana. She is the main character. But Chris Pine's character, um, Steve Trevor, do you like that he was in the movie? Do you like that he just took over someone's body because of her wish? What did you think about him in this movie? Were the stakes real? Um, and I've heard someone make the point that they thought the love story of Steve and airplanes was greater <laughs> than the love story of Steve and Diana. <laughs> oh, I had not thought of that. That's that's pretty funny. I, I thought he was... I kind of looked at him through the lens more of like Diana's test, which I, I really liked. Like she's, she's like, I sacrifice so much. I only want this one thing. What is so bad about me kind of indulging in it, which, which I think is pretty interesting. He wasn't, he didn't seem like that real of a person beyond that. Um, he kind of got with the picture and got with the times pretty quick. And he's always been like the most perfect guy ever. Um, just like, so thoughtful and um you know courageous and um just an absolute hero in every sense of the word um but no i thought i liked it 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 reminded me a little bit of like in superhero movies when the superhero loses their power um so they have like a a test that's not like a literal stronger guy because that's kind of that's hard to to translate and be interesting Uh, but when when batman's getting old or Iron Man three when he kind of loses loses his suit and is having anxiety attacks. I think the fact that she had you know had this thing that she missed is a very human emotion, and I I really liked him being in this one again. I agree. I I liked that he kind of I I even liked um, his his sort of alter ego, the guy who his body he was in. I thought they did a really good job just of even though it was such a small part for that guy and it was funny because I did uh, a movie I was an, uh, an extra here in Kentucky and I was I played alongside of him just as an extra and I looked at Brad I was like oh, I was in a movie with him I like he talked to me and he was like excuse me and I had to move out of his way <laughs> and I was <laughs> like I know him and then it was just like he did the it was actually funny he did the little six degrees from Kevin Bacon he's like you're only four degrees from Kevin Bacon now um but I I was pleasantly surprised to see just as somebody who I had seen before in Kentucky for it to be him and then he I really liked that character I like that Steve came back and he is so like there's nothing about him is selfish he just gives everything he needs to to other people and he sacrifices himself in addition to say you need to take your powers back so you can defeat this evil in the world and he is so good I I love Chris Pine I think he is such a great actor I think he did such a good job coming back in someone else's body too and I think she like deserved to sort of also have a little bit of closure with him and granted did I want him to die twice no I was a mess <laughs> I was a mess for the second time but I I liked that they brought him back the little scene with the watch and that's sort of how she remembered it was him although I thought it was kind of funny it wasn't 
there was little bits and pieces of, of scenes like with him and Diana that I thought were a little weird. And specifically in the, the, when they met, I thought it was odd that he was just like, Diana, Diana, not just like, it's me, Steve. There was none of that. It was just the watch. Like she's going to remember me because I'm in this new body by this last thing that we did. And then I didn't, the only thing I didn't like for some reason, I didn't like, and I guess it makes sense was when they, when they left, she, she turned away, she gave him a kiss, she turned away and just walked away. He was out of her life, but then he like said something back. I wish they had cut back to him and, and just for like a second and been like, that was sort of just a little goodbye. I don't know why it was just an extra scene. There was little bits and pieces of the movie. I wish they had added just like a little extra scene that they cut back to him, like saying his goodbye as well. And then it would walk away and the back of his head or something would be that guy. I don't know. But that I liked their dynamic. I liked that she had closure. I liked that they got to spend a little time together and I love Chris Fine. And I think, I don't know what you would have given Wonder Woman as her one wish, unless it was something from Mascara that she wished she had again from like her mom or, um, was it her aunt or whoever that was? Oh, uh, Lydia um, trained her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know what you would have given Wonder Woman as her sort of one thing she really wished. Not just like a simple wish. Like, I wish I had a million dollars. Like, it wasn't going to be that for her, I think, if she had anything else. Yeah. And you're right that, like, that was legitimately, like, emotional, emotionally resonating scene when they... um what she had to say goodbye to him again. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and just another example of like, I think that's what the audience is. One of the things that they f- really gravitate towards and they find interesting that sometimes the the superhero, you know, powers that be, um, maybe they just miss. Cause yeah, if they, if they had just probed in a little bit more at the very beginning and at the very end, I think that would have been awesome. Um, but you can tell both at the beginning and both at the, end of his arc it was a little bit of a like point a to point b like when they remet at that gala or whatever they're like we, we got to get him back in this story and then at the end they're like, we got to get her on to this fight so they they kind of rushed through it whereas i think that's kind of where people wanted a little bit more um but overall i thought he was i thought he was good what about you bryson uh, I, I liked him the uh point about the airplanes I think that was kind of charming because you know he is a selfless guy and he's like oh my goodness they can do this now I can get to Cairo from DC in a day I I mean he was a pilot you know he was an ace pilot um he went out being a pilot in the last movie um I got kind of nervous uh when Gal Gadot was in the plane with them because of those of you who have seen Fast and Furious 6 that's where she (laughs) dies in the sixth movie um you know falling out of a plane saying goodbye to her lover Han um, so I got nervous for her, but I, I thought he was good. Um, touching about those two, I think we would agree they have mm-hmm. good chemistry. Now the other, there's basically four main characters in this. There's Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor, Barbara, and Maxwell. What did you think about the chemistry between um, Diana and Barbara early on? I thought it was really good. Um, and what do you think there could have been more stuff between Maxwell and uh, Cheetah? after, you know, the initial, he's trying to seduce her to get his hand on an artifact. It never really explained how he knew about that, right? Other than his agent research he had and his... Someone yeah, was researching some, for him, some, I guess. A but. couple of plot holes uh, there, and, and with the magical stone, like, I was confused a couple times, because I thought I thought you only got one wish, but Barbara kind of got two wishes granted, and then there was, like, um, there was that random guy that 
he needed Max Lord needed him to wish something, but he had already wished for something last week. So absolutely nothing happened. Um, so the logic didn't really track too much for me there, but I don't know. Their relationship seemed very transactional. I, I didn't think there was any actual chemistry there from, I guess, Max's perspective. Um, so they, they just, they just kind of gave up on that. And I don't know if she was playing the role of bodyguard or they, I don't know what her motivation was, you know, near the end of the movie. It was wildly confusing for me. I think the plane ride, and it was because I watched it twice because I was in the same boat. I think she just didn't want Wonder Woman to destroy Maxwell because then that would get rid of her being the strong person because I think mm. she she overheard the the school teacher the not the school teacher guy that random guy in a warehouse and it was like you either destroy the stone which I think Barbara was there long enough to hear Maxwell was the stone or you have to renounce your wish and then she was like well I'm definitely not doing that because I'm not going to give up all this amazing stuff about me but I feel like Maxwell said something on the plane that was like, I can do whatever I want to or something. Like once he has all the power, he can grant as many wishes. I feel like that's what ended up, I don't remember the the specifics because, but I feel like I had to listen to it again. And it was something along those lines, which is how Barbara got her second wish. But yeah, I feel like their chemistry surprisingly was not, I feel like they could have added something because it was even more so in the end when she was still fighting Wonder Woman's character. And I guess it was just, again, so she wouldn't destroy Maxwell, so she wouldn't lose her wish. But they, I don't know, I didn't feel like they had, and I guess it was just because he was in it for selfish reasons. They were each in it for selfish reasons, so they didn't really necessarily, he didn't need Kristen's character, but Kristen needed him. I don't know. Transactional was a good way to describe it, Rob. Uh, I think that's pretty much what it was. So, and, you know, initially when they first meet as people without powers, he's trying to get his hands on the artifact. You know, he's wooing her. He's this big bombastic guy that's kind of interested in her now just to get the artifact. And then from there, it almost seemed like when she's fighting in the White House, um, like he almost looked like he didn't know who she was. Almost it seemed like, I mean, he did. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of turned Cheetah, who we see before Max almost. Oh, uh, you know, we see Maxwell Lord in a commercial in the first fight scene in the mall. But it kind of turned her from like this villainous. She's not Wonder Woman's greatest villain in the comics, but she's up there. She's in the Rogues Gallery for her, and she almost seemed like just a henchwoman at the end. And also, how did she survive getting electrocuted in water? That's oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Brad and I thought she died. And she was dead. She was done, though. Like, I thought that's why Wonder Woman was like, if you're not going to renounce your wish, then I actually have to hurt you. I actually have to kill you. You have to go. And which Wonder Woman obviously tries not to do, even to evildoers. She tries not to kill anybody. But she electrocuted her, and Brad were like, oh, she's dead. And then they do that cutscene in the end, and she's still alive. She's just not Cheetah anymore. She's back to being Kristen Wiig, and I, for 100%, didn't understand that at all. It was like, you, and she's, I don't know if it was because she was so powerful, it just didn't kill her, but it knocked her out pretty good. I have no idea, but I for sure thought she was dead, and then she was just sitting there. Yeah, it's like they were they were afraid to really go through with the the tragedy of it, or like the, the you know the results if you if you go too far um, and full on kill her off. Because yeah, it was 
it was like you're gonna have to break your one rule kind of decision for Diana and but then really it, she didn't do anything um, but that maybe this gets you know Bryce you can educate us here a little bit as well on the um, the logic of the stone so are we led to believe at the end that since Max renounced his wish that the world was saved and everything else went back or did everyone hear her spiel, her monologue, and every single person on earth renounced their wish? What do you what do you think happened? Okay, so this is reminds me a little bit of my favorite anime, Dragon Ball Z, when Goku uh, summons the spirit bomb. You know, everyone on earth or whatever planet lends their power, and sometimes people don't want to give it to them. So he'll have someone who's actually famous, like in the in, in the anime, Mr. Satan will talk to the world and be like hey, listen, we need your power. It's almost what Diana did through Maxwell at the end. I think everything was renounced because all the people that had wished for these selfish things renounced it. You had a guy that wished someone dropped dead. You had the English lady that wished the Irish guy would get out of her country. Um, you had the African kid that wished he was king, all that kind of stuff. So they all renounced their wishes. Um, so they got back their semblance of life. Just like when Diana renounced Steve coming back, um, she was pretty much invulnerable again, because we know in the fights earlier, she was bleeding. Um, and that's yeah. because, you know, she wished for Steve back. So she had her power, but she wasn't invulnerable. Um, so I'm guessing that's what it was, that she was talking through the lasso of truth, because he was the conduit at that point. He was so powerful that he had, you know, he, he grants this wish. He takes this person's good heart, um, this person's good health. Um, you know, what would he take from Ronald Reagan, his uh, security team and access to all the nukes and everything? Um Ben, you know, once I'm going to mention Ben, who contributes again, he just said, like, the thing with superhero movies, you never believe the stakes are real. Like, he didn't think the world was actually going to end. I think the only time that shocked anybody was um, the first Infinity War, whatever, you know, when Thanos wins. He was like, what? (laughs) Um, So I think everyone thought that she was going to overcome somehow. Um, It was just interesting how they did it with the Lasso of Truth, which is her, obviously, her go-to weapon. Um, I'm I really wonder what I could do if I had a lasso of truth asking people stuff, but <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. So the ending was kind of eh, whatever, but it's, it's a superhero movie. And going back to what I said earlier about how this should probably be like a Superman kind of storyline, um, you know, in, in man of steel, he kills general Zod at the end, you know, Superman famously doesn't kill people either. So maybe they thought about that when she didn't kill Cheetah, but that's my big thing. Like, how did she not die? I know she has the power of an Amazon because she's like Diana, but she's literally in the water, electrocuted, and she even gave you a warning beforehand. Hey, if you don't change, it's over. And then she's just, all right, you know. Yeah, that's it. Gets to Ben's point on the what about this? There's there's no stakes. It's like mm-hmm. if the the audiences know that there are no stakes, then I think that's the time that you can subvert their expectations. So they probably missed there. Here's a question. Is Max Lord, is he going to be like brought up on any charges or uh, since everything went back to normal, could he not be held accountable in a court of law for anything that he did? I think they might use that as a cliffhanger, but at the same time, I don't think it will. I'm just going to predict it won't be resolved in the third one. Um, He should be probably get the death penalty. I don't know if anyone (laughs) supports capital punishment, but uh, he, he caused a lot of, unless one of the one of the um, effects of him renouncing everything is that all is kind of forgotten. Um, they'll have to address that somehow, even if it's a like a, a line in passing in the next movie or another DC movie, because 
if this is in the 80s, we're going by how the uh, films have gone. Batman's probably still just a teenager. You know, Cyborg's not alive. Flash is not born. Um, but it would be something people would look back and talk about. Um, yeah, what, what did teenage Bruce Willis wish for? <laughs> teenage Bruce Wayne, his family back. <laughs> or Bruce Wayne, yeah. Or teenage Bruce Willis, I don't want, but I mean Bruce Wayne. Uh, well, Bruce Willis in the 80s, I guess he probably thought he'd have a happy marriage with Demi Moore at that point. Where yeah. uh, Mr. Stilliard Girl, Ashton Kutcher came. Um, if he renounced his wish, would the stone not go back to being a stone? Um, they're gonna, I think the stone might be gone. She mentioned that um, there's certain gods that were in charge of creating stuff like that. Um, I'm not completely up on my Greek mythology anymore. I want to say it's like Hespitus, like was the forger for the gods. He's like really ugly, but he could make anything. And he was famously married to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. So maybe my Greek mythology is coming back. Um, I'm guessing the stone itself is gone because it was absorbed in him anyway. And now it's just no more. I just didn't know if, if he renounced his wish, like Diana renounced Steve, Steve disappeared, the guy went back to being the guy who he had absorbed into his body. But would the stone not turn back into a stone and be like Jumanji and somebody else pick it up? And Or did it just turn to dust after that and no one has to worry? That is a good question. I would assume maybe it, it did turn back into a stone, but I don't think they would address that just because it'd be a repetitive storyline. But that that's a I'm not gonna say that oh they didn't address it because there's still a third, presumably a third movie will come out. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question. But I don't think it'll it'll matter ultimately. Because no, they won't I, whatever the end, I just felt there was some loose like not everything was tied up in a sweet little bow, obviously, and sometimes that's not always the case with a DC or Marvel movie. But there were there was that, and then I don't know why I felt that I wanted to see Kristen Wiig's character back in the office, and she'd just be like, "Oh hey," <laughs> like I don't know why I was just like, "Well, what happens to Kristen Wiig?" She didn't actually renounce her wish. What's his name renounced? So did she forget? Like, I kept thinking, if everybody just forgets what they wish for and everything that happened, then Diana would be back at the Smithsonian and she'd see Kristen Wiig's character and then they'd just be like, oh, hey, what's up? She'd be all over her nerd self, forget what had happened. And so be like, you want to go grab lunch? Let's go, you know. Like, I just kept thinking there's like these little loose, like what happened to everybody except, uh, I do not agree with the... um <laughs> when Max Lord's kid runs out in the middle of Armageddon and then he's like calling around the city for his child he's just like Alistair <laughs> like down the street oh he comes out of the bushes next door that was not believable to me that when that loose end was kind of tied up that Alistair's running out into the middle of the streets. Nothing's happening to him, obviously. But then when Max Lord runs home to go search for me, screaming through the streets, the kid just pops up out of nowhere. And he's like, Dad, I'm right here. I mean, it's a it's a convenient thing, like the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. Mary Jane just runs through the broken streets of London and happens to find yeah. Peter, you know, in the middle of it. It's just, that's one of those things that, yes, you are right. It's a loose end, but it's not... Wonder Woman's fault. You could name a superhero movie. I could probably find some ending scene like that where someone just makes it through a rubble or explosion and just happens to find their hero. But yeah, it, it was. I, just, I guess the question would be: 
how did he get back to America from where he was? Because oh, uh, he renounced his powers, and all of a sudden he's back in D.C. But. Yeah, and it's still daylight, it's sunshine, but like, I, yeah, I didn't, hmm. I didn't, um, I thought that there was a, a couple little things there, and I didn't agree. There was one other thing I hated was the, actually the plane scene through the fireworks. I don't know why that just didn't feel believable to me. Yeah. I've got some thoughts on that. Well, one, I think I would guess, I bet there's like videos on YouTube of Patty Jenkins talking about that. Her, her, she always talks about her, her dad was a fighter pilot. So I bet that was like some type of homage to him. Was, was her dad a better fighter pilot than Amy McGrath? Well, Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, on that line of thought, though, hot take was is Steve actually a terrible pilot? Last time he flew, you know, he died flying. He actively flies a jet into a cloud of fireworks. I don't know. I don't know if this guy can be trusted behind uh, behind the, the wheels of a plane. I think he just loves planes. He's not not actually a good pilot. He's not about the details. <laughs> well, I just kept thinking, how do you? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what what year was the first Wonder Woman. Twenty seventeen. World War One. Or World War One, yeah. So nineteen. Hey, not, not not when did World <laughs> or Wonder Woman come out? What was the year that it took place? Like the nineteen twenties, right? Is that World War One? And then, like yeah. sixty or, years later. He just hops in a plane, flips six buttons, and he's like, I know how to fly this thing. Like, there's no way to me that those two planes that he flew would have been the same. Well, yeah, um, I'll, I'll say that. But then again, I, I'm i not a pilot, and I don't know. Well, I know one person that has their flight flight wings, I guess, whatever they're called, over at Bowman Field. So maybe it's not. He did play with a couple buttons enough to figure it out. Um that's just one of the, you didn't want to, you don't want to spend a whole 10 minutes in the scene of him trying to figure it out, but yeah. maybe planes aren't that much different. I'm not saying uh, you would imagine they would be from the access to that, uh, like the aviation joint. Oh, she's well, Wonder Woman. She's, she's probably been doing, it's just, it's, it's 50, 60 years. So who knows? She hasn't aged, obviously. So she's probably had to take on several different aliases in that time. She couldn't have worked at the Smithsonian like, the whole time. One. Someone would notice. Pick whatever plane you want to. I'm like, who has access to this place? Why do you have yeah. access to this place? Is I mean, I'd let her in. She's a history buff. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was just an odd. Immediately, he's like, oh, I'd like to fly. I want to fly one of these. I want to fly. And she's like, well, I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's because he said he, he didn't have a passport, so she wouldn't got him his own plane. Smart. Get you a like that. Have a passport, but did that guy that his face? She said he didn't. She said he didn't because he was just an engineer. The guy he took over, and she said, "Oh, you don't have a passport." And she's like, "Oh, I have another idea." So, it it sounds like between the three of us, the third act had a lot of questions for us. Um, but overall, do you have any other complaints? And out of since this is crappy curious, out of five crabs, what would you give the movie? Hmm. I, I think we've gone through all of my I mean I think from a big picture standpoint um, I don't know if the DC movies they're like trying to go more hyper real it's just there's like a 
a 10% of that they're just always missing the mark for me. And then I've got like between a small and very large problem with every single um, of the ones in like the Zack Snyder universe or whatever, whatever it's called. But like, there's plenty of other superhero movies that have absolute mumbo jumbo makes like, it could make no sense, but it still works like guardians of the galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. Like it's absolutely goofy, magical lore but they still focus on like the really interesting stuff, like the, the comedy, the relationships between the characters and like human emotions and human stakes. And um, some of these DC movies, they like touch on that and the ones that touch on it do better than others, but then they always like revert back to their old ways. But even Bryson as a diehard DC fan, it seems like that third act stuff doesn't work for you. So it's like, why? I don't know why they keep doing it, but Overall, just the, the charisma of, you know, the, the two leading roles, uh, I think, still still worked for me. It, it reminds me of um, the second Spider-Man, or most recent second Spider-Man, Far From Home, where it's like just, you know, flawed movie, but the, the charisma of the, the main characters still make it something that, that I enjoy. So for me... Three and a half out of five crabs. I agree. I would have said somewhere between three, 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 and four. I I would still watch it again. Like I, I if I was gonna watch all the DC movies, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm skimming that one. I hated it. I definitely didn't hate it. I would still watch it again. I think I would watch anything with Gal Gadot in it. <laughs> Chris Pine. I think one, she's just stunning. And I think she's a great actor. And I think there was a lot of, I think I liked more about the movie than I didn't like about the movie. And so I would definitely, I would say three, anywhere between three and four, three and a half, definitely would stick to around there. Um, but I, I, I liked it. I, I don't know why everyone sort of really didn't like it. I thought it was put together well. There are obviously bits and pieces of movies that you're just sort of like, well, they didn't need to add that. I don't think you can find too many in the Marvel or DC universe that I'm just like, eh, eh, whatever. But um, yeah, I would, I would watch it again for sure. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd echo that about, it wasn't as good as the first one. Uh, like I said, I think I hold that in high esteem, the first Wonder Woman movie, but it was good. It was enjoyable. It ticked the boxes. It had the emotional thing. I really liked the uh, fight scenes uh, when they were in the desert, and I really liked the White House fight scene a lot. The last one, cliche comic book showdown at the end. Um, like Rob said, sometimes the uh, the characters carried some convoluted stuff. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is a good one. Um, the Mary Jane Peter stuff, I thought really carried that one. Um, but I think in general, DC has it going now. Like I know he says I'm an apologist, but Aquaman, um, the actors and actresses in that movie and their personal stuff notwithstanding. Um, I thought that was great. The two main characters had good chemistry. They didn't try to be anything weird. It was just action. They didn't try to make it too deep, which was perfect because most people wrongfully, when they hear Aquaman, think, oh, he talks to fish. He's more than that. He's actually kind of a badass and Jason Momoa did that. I was really high in Shazam. Uh, I think that literally had the saddest moment I've ever seen a superhero movie, and no one even died in it. Um, but we'll see what happens going forward with the Batman. Um, Joker was good, even though it's not in this continuity. Um, so I'd give it three and a half, uh, three and three fourths out of um, out of five. Um, and what do you guys want to go see f- moving forward? If there is a 
third Wonder Woman, which I'm sure there will be, what would you like to see? I know you're probably not as deep in the comic book, book lore as I am, but in general, what would you like to see in a third movie? Like tone or villain or crossover? Or yeah. what, what kind of theme would you like to see in it? I'd like to see like a smaller story, like uh, like a theme similar to Captain America Winter Soldier. Like maybe Diana has to go, you know, somebody else from from her home world has is doing something bad, but it's not, you know, maybe they feel like they're justified and, and she's conflicted about it or something like that. And just maybe as long as they avoid a, hey, you know, if we push this button, the entire world will blow up and be gone. Um, I think that would be interesting. And yeah, just like Jason Momoa and Aquaman, just let let Diana cook. Just, you know, let her her power. Yeah, let her go, James Harden. So um, I think I would still, yeah, I'm, I would be pumped to, to see some, some more sequels coming out, which I'm sure she signed up for like a 10 picture deal or something like that. Can she go back home? Um, the, I don't remember. And well, see the thing that, you know, justice league happens in current time and that, I don't know if they're going to treat it as complete canon or sometimes when it's convenient because it's such a wreck of a movie. Um, <laughs> Stay tuned for Crabicurious Reviews, the 10-hour Zack Snyder cut here in a couple months. <laughs> um, they did get attacked by Stefan Wolf and his uh, Legion from uh, the other world. I don't remember who died and who lived in that. Um, there's plenty of times in the comic she goes back. And like Rob mentioned, um, something like someone, an, a fellow Amazon doing something wrong just to go back to confront him. There are a couple of villains um, in her continuity, which it can definitely do do with that. Cersei's one of them, um, probably one of her main villains. Um, so that could happen. But I don't remember if, if Thelma Scare is there. Like Patty Jenkins and a couple of the other uh, directors of upcoming DC movies, they're kind of ambiguous about Justice League and Batman versus Superman. Like, does it count? Does it not count? Does it sort of count? Are they going to retcon stuff? They definitely didn't think it through. First movie, for some reason, I just kept thinking she was just like, I have to leave forever to go, like, help mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And so that's why I don't know why it got in my head that maybe she couldn't go back or that she probably wasn't going to because she had a lot of work to do with humans or whatever. But Well, uh, it's uh, John Bon Jovi once says, who says he can't go home? <laughs> that's a song, right? <laughs> that I, I don't know what else is supposed to come up in the DC world. I obviously well, not a comic uh, Flash is coming up, um, Ezra Miller. Um, I don't know if there's enough interest for a cyborg movie. They're going to be doing some films exclusively on HBO. Now, whether they're still in the main uh, continuity, the DCEU as it's known, that's remained to be seen. There'll be a Batwoman one, or Batgirl, I'm sorry, Batgirl. Batwoman's a show that, that's a whole other topic too. Uh, There'll be a Static Shock one, which I think everyone will like. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, if anything, as a DC fan, I would suggest watching the shows, um, the first three seasons of Arrow and the last seasons of Arrow, and then a couple of the other shows, and then all their animated movies, which are on HBO Max. They don't miss with the animated ones. It's just the live action ones leave little to be desired sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well yep. said. Yep. So um, thank you guys. Go ahead. The Wonder Woman, the. Why am I forgetting her name? The first Wonder Woman who made the appearance cameo. Oh, Patty Jenkins. Or not Patty Jenkins. No. Uh, Linda Carter. Linda yeah, Carter. Yeah, yeah. And she was supposed to be Assyria? Yeah. Was, is that something that they just like added or is that who she was? 
Um, I think they just added that to put her in the movie, to be honest. Uh, she was also, you know, going back to Supergirl, the show, she was the president in Supergirl that turned out to be an alien right. in right, season right. three. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Um, also, go listen to the review of Supergirl, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, also <laughs> on the Crappy Curious uh, link. Uh, but yeah, I think they just added her in to add her in. I don't know if they'll do anything with Asteria. She didn't have her armor. <laughs> okay, last question, because I just thought of it. How did Wonder Woman get the golden armor? So, like, in the beginning, they showed where she was back at the doing the, the games, and she was trying mm-hmm. to win, and obviously it was more of a kid. But then when the woman won, do you get the golden suit when you win? Because wouldn't it go to just, like, how often do they do those games? And then who wins? Do you have to give it back? Like, like some um, sort of... The way I took it, and I might have missed something, is the, the game at the beginning is like a coming-of-age thing, like their Olympics or something. Um, because um, they do, there's a big statue of Asteria that they talk about and they point out like she didn't become a hero in one day either, Diana. And they also mentioned in the flashback that the, the reason she got her gold armor were a bunch of the Spartans or Greeks didn't like the Amazons are trying to vanquish them. So they all lended their armor to Asteria to make the gold armor. And it able, you know, she drew all their fire. And then she always, he mentioned she wanted to find Asteria, but she just found her armor, you know, when uh, Chris Pine pulls the, the stuff away from it in her house um, so I don't, I think it was just yeah, something like an ancient artifact. I couldn't figure out how she got that artifact. She just uh, found the armor? I'm guessing she uh, she found it at some point in her 50 years after World War One. Just it wasn't you, on the island? What was that? It wasn't on their island? The no, no, um, because the story is that... Um, oh, right, she stayed behind. She stayed behind, so it's probably she somewhere in Greece. On U.S. grounds. Or wherever, on, yeah, not on the island. Okay, yeah, somebody, that's probably somewhere I, in Greece. I how? What? I guess I just missed the scene that she said she found the armor and not the, not Asteria. Yeah. So to get away, um, Asteria, like you know, took all the fire from all the men, and then Zeus made Themyscira and shrouded in mystery for all the other Amazons. So, got it. Missed it. Couldn't figure out how she had the armor. That's why I'm here. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I should have texted you immediately after, but then I knew we were going to do the podcast, and I was like, well, we'll just wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it till like two days ago, so <laughs> when I had ever saw hey, everyone's hate. Christmas night? Well, you had your Christmas basically at night, so. Yeah, and I was playing video games. You know, this is that was 2020, man. Now it's completely different. That's right, Bryson. Remember, in 2021, you can have it all. <laughs> and on that note, I think that's a good point to stop. <laughs> you all be safe out there, and we'll hopefully come back to you with the 10 hours on Snyder Cup when you